This is Generation Justice, broadcasting from the University of New Mexico, 89.9 KUNM and KUNM.org. I'm your host for tonight, Polly Dineclaw. And I'm your co-host, Derek Toledo. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. New Mexico currently falls behind other states in terms of broadband internet adoption and access. Tonight, we talk with Steven Renderos, national organizer of the Center for Media Justice, about why open internet is important for every New Mexican. That's really what's at stake here. Do we get an opportunity to really share those stories? Or do companies like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T get to continue profiting? We'll also sit down with Laurel Wyckoff, the Education Outreach Manager at New Mexico PBS, to discuss their community cinema project. They'll be screening the film American Denial, which is an exploration of racism in the United States. And one of the things that he found was this sort of profound disconnect between what we call our American values and then the simultaneous oppression and discrimination practiced, especially throughout the South. As always, we bring you another stellar set of community events on tonight's calendar and some jamming tunes. With tonight's first song, here's our music director, Pilar Monfaletto. Hey guys, it's Pilar Monfaletto here to share some awesome tunes with you. The first song that I'll be sharing with you is called One Day by Maris Yahoo. It's about the hope that we all have that the world will get better. When it comes to broadband internet access in the home, New Mexico ranks last. Access and affordability issues are just part of the reason why net neutrality is important. And by net neutrality, we mean equal access internet, where corporations do not have a say in which websites we visit, who visits them, and how fast. Yeah, I agree, Polly. Net neutrality is about being able to tell our stories. And at Generation Justice, this is what drives our media justice work. To talk more about net neutrality and about this week's FCC vote, here's Stephen Renderos with Generation Justice Fellow Cristina Rodriguez. I'm Cristina Rodriguez, and I'm joined by Stephen Renderos. He's an activist, a filmmaker, a DJ, and he's the national organizer at the Center for Media Justice. Today, we're talking net neutrality and the upcoming FCC vote on February 26th. Stephen, welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks for having me, Cristina. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the national organizer here at the Center for Media Justice. We are a media and organizing center based in Oakland, California. I'm actually based in Los Angeles, California. But uh, our primary project is we host a national network of media activists called the Media Action Grassroots Network, or, or MAGNET for short. And our work there is really advocating for a better media system, and the folks that we primarily work with are folks who work at the intersection of social justice and media change. Um, So a lot of them are organizers that work on issues like immigrant rights, criminal justice, come from communities of color, not necessarily your techies, as one would imagine in this sector. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I know Magna has been doing a lot of work surrounding net neutrality. Can you help describe net neutrality for us? 
Sure. Uh, net neutrality is just the basic principle that all voices online are created equal. It's the idea that if I want to access a website, that I'm able to do so without anybody telling me or blocking my access to that website. It also works the other way around in, in the sense that you know, the Internet is one of the very few places where people can be both consumers of information but also producers of information. You know, as you mentioned, I'm a DJ. I can create a mixtape. Uh, I can upload it online on SoundCloud, and I can share it out to a massive audience. I don't have to deal with middlemen. I don't have to go through some sort of, like, corporate company to get my stuff out. And, you know, the Internet is a place where I have access to a whole audience. Um, so net neutrality is, is a principle that's been in place since the beginning of the Internet. It's something that we have all benefited from because it's one of the very few places, again, where um, all voices matter. And it's something that the FCC, uh, the Federal Communications Commission, has been trying to implement into actual rules over the last, you know, maybe about 10 years. And haven't been as successful at it, but we're finally getting very close to an actual vote that might make net neutrality the rule of the, of the land when it comes to the Internet. So why is it under attack? The reality is that the Internet is one of these places where um, Internet service providers like Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner see a lot of huge potential for their future kind of revenue generating projects. You know, right now, it's, the Internet has been fine as, as it is for them because they've been able to make and generate some pretty healthy profit margins. But they're thinking into the future. What could make them more money in the future? And some of the things that they're looking at doing would severely crush what the Internet is as we understand it. You know, what a lot of these companies would like to do is do what happens to us on cable, which is versus having access to the whole thing, they would much rather that we only have access to a certain number of websites. They want to be in the position to pick and choose what websites we can have access to. So, you know, rather than pay $50 a month for my internet connection, I'll pay $50 a month to access, you know, 50 websites or something like that. And this is something that these cable companies, these internet service providers have been very open about saying that this is what they want to do. So the fight for net neutrality is really, it's kind of a fork in the road. On the one hand, we can keep the internet to be what it is today, this political, economic, social force where every voice matters, or we can go the route of privatizing it, corporatizing it, and letting a handful of companies truly benefit from the beauty of the internet. I like how you called it an upcoming fork in the road. Can you tell us a little bit more about the importance of this upcoming vote on February 26th? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, the, the Federal Communications Commission has been toiling with this issue for close to a decade. In the last year, um, there's been a lot of momentum around really getting the FCC to implement some rules. They're planning on voting on some rules on February 26th. And the chairman of the FCC, who, by the way, used to be the top lobbyist for the cable and wireless industry, somehow he's come around on this issue. He's proposed some rules, which would be, you know, actually the strongest net neutrality rules that the Internet has ever had. It would prevent companies from blocking, from slowing down content online, from, you know, creating fast lanes and slow lanes, and would apply all of these rules both to, to your Internet access on a computer or a cell phone. So it doesn't matter where you access the Internet your voice is protected. And he's proposed doing all of this by doing something which is called reclassifying the Internet. So essentially regulating the Internet differently than it has been over the last 10 years. He wants to start regulating the Internet more like a utility, more like a telephone line, uh, given the role that it plays in people's everyday lives. So it's a, it's a huge deal. It's something that can make the difference between us having a political voice online and being able to see the examples like the voices coming out of Ferguson, the voices that have come out um, out of New York around the Eric Garner case, 
and even in Albuquerque, where it's probably been a pretty, you know, pretty common knowledge for most folks in Albuquerque that the local police department is particularly violent. But given everything that's happened um, over the last few months around Ferguson and, and the Internet and the role that the Internet has played in amplifying those stories, it's much more common knowledge nationally that Albuquerque is a place where you have some of the most messed up police violence against communities of color. So that's really what's at stake here on this vote is do we get an opportunity to really share those stories or do companies like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T get to continue profiting from the Internet and kill the the innovation and political voice of, of many communities that are currently marginalized? I really appreciate that you said that. And the chairman of the FCC, Tom Wheeler, spoke at a panel here in Albuquerque a couple months ago. Can you talk a little bit more about how his position shifted and perhaps why it did? Well, I think one thing to note about net neutrality, it's a very technical and wonky issue, just the way that people describe it. But if folks are given an opportunity to really talk about the role that the Internet plays in their everyday lives, it becomes very clear that everybody really cares about net neutrality. and Everybody wants net neutrality. And that's been reflected in the public comment process at the Federal Communications Commission. They had a 90-day public comment period, and they received over 4 million comments from the public. Now, if you tally up the petitions that were also submitted by massive online groups like Color of Change and Free Press and Fight for the Future, you know, that number really ticks up to like 7 million. So the reality is that like an overwhelming majority of people support net neutrality. And I think what the chairman has been faced with in his trips out to places like Albuquerque, he's been reading all of the different comments that have come into the FCC, and everybody is saying the exact same thing, including President Obama. President Obama back in November came out with a statement saying, you know what, I I really support net neutrality, and I really support the FCC doing it by implementing these rules under Title II. So everybody has come out on the side of net neutrality. And so it's it's very difficult to try to push through, you know, your own idea of, of net neutrality when everybody else seems to think differently. And, you know, the reality is the only people pushing for something that's not net neutrality are companies like Verizon and companies like Comcast who have a total economic stake in in not seeing these rules get implemented. So I think a lot of the organizing that has gone on, a lot of people speaking out on these issues, a lot of events like with you all, um, Generation Justice and groups like Media Literacy Project did in hosting uh, Chairman Wheeler in Albuquerque, those those things matter. Um, they make a difference. And, you know, and so I think all of that work collectively has really built up to this moment where communities of color, techies, technologists, startup companies, small businesses, everybody agrees that net neutrality is the right way forward. What kind of impact do cable companies like Comcast have on debates like net neutrality? Comcast is a big company. They invest a ton of money in lobbying. Uh, they spend probably more than $15 million a year lobbying on issues that they care about, opposing net neutrality being one of them, advocating for the Comcast Time Warner merger being another. They're spending a lot of money. And when you add up companies like Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, Time Warner, and you add up how much they all spend on lobbying at the federal level, this is just at the federal level, they probably spend more money lobbying than than the oil industry, than the banking industry, which is kind of insane to consider just how massive they are and how much money they have to throw at this. At the state level, companies like Comcast, companies like Time Warner also advocate for regulations that would benefit them. But, you know, the, the good thing is that over the last few years, I think the work of Magnet, the work of our members, including those in New Mexico, 
have been really good about pushing back. We won opposing the AT&T T-Mobile merger a few years ago. Um, and so, so we're starting to see this kind of reversal of trends, and we're hoping that Comcast Time Warner is another example in which we're able to successfully stop them. Can you elaborate a little bit on how the open internet is a tool for empowering communities of color? I think the, the idea that you have a decentralized platform where you can have a voice is a very powerful thing. And I think it can be oftentimes taken for granted. The reality is that on most other kind of mainstream media channels, we don't have that level of access. We don't have access to distribution and we don't have access to actually creating the content ourselves. The internet is, is one of the very few places where that's actually true. A lot of folks like to point out the fact that in Ferguson, uh, with the murder of Michael Brown, it took a million tweets before you know outlets like CNN started paying attention. So that's the real power of the internet. It's a place where if we mobilize enough voices, you know, all of a sudden the the mainstream channels that often ignore us or often represent us in a very negative light start listening and start paying attention. And it can have you know huge ramifications to to the political process. Even thinking of the hashtag Black Lives Matter, going from a hashtag where people were discussing the value of Black Lives, you know, over Twitter, has grown into an actual movement. You have Black Lives Matter chapters all over the country. You have people organizing on the day to day to push back against police violence, against all types of Black violence. And you know, and I think that's a credit to uh, to the internet. And a lot of that is just the basic principles of how the internet works, that we, we get to be connected just by virtue of the platform. I can share any information. I can amplify certain stories. I can host a petition. I can do all sorts of things online that were not necessarily available to me before, and I can do it on a national, on an international scale, and that's, that's truly powerful. It really is truly powerful, and the internet is just revolutionary itself, and it it's kind of like a human right at this point. Regarding net neutrality, what is the most important thing that New Mexicans should know? Well, you know, the, the fight for net neutrality is really, and, and the potential victory that we might see on February 26th is really the beginning for us. Because the next thing we want to look at is how do we ensure that now that we have an open internet, how do we ensure that everyone gets the benefit from it? Particularly for New Mexico, this is important because New Mexicans are Sometimes they're 49th, sometimes they're 50th uh, when it comes to broadband adoption. So, you know, folks actually using the technology um, and having access to it at home, you know, New Mexicans really uh, are suffering um, from a lack of infrastructure and from, you know, to be real, just affordability around um, Internet. And so the next thing we want to look at is how do we ensure that folks that need it but maybe can't afford it at the current rates are able to afford it in the future. Thank you so much, Stephen, for all the information that you've given us today. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I think leading up to the vote on February 26th, one of the things that we're pushing for is to really shine a spotlight and call out the Internet service providers who have been so horrible on net neutrality. So next Tuesday, February 24th, in New Mexico, Media Literacy Project and a whole host of other local organizations are organizing a protest outside of the Comcast Spotlight Center, which is on 2623 Tennessee Street, Northeast, in Albuquerque. So I would go out there. It's going to be 12 p.m. noon. We really want to hold these, you know, these companies accountable so folks can come out and support. That would be great. And again, just thank you for speaking with us today. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Christina. 
Thank you, Stephen, for talking with us at Generation Justice, and thank you for your work and the Center for Media Justice's work to support net neutrality. I really want to highlight something that you said a couple of times, which was all voices matter. And I think it's really important that when we talk about net neutrality, we keep that in mind. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I think that you opened my eyes a lot to what net neutrality really is. I heard about it before, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way that you really informed them just now at your interview. Also, the Media Literacy Project will be hosting a viewing party to see the results of this historic FCC net neutrality vote. It will be at Encuentro Thursday, February 26th from 9 to 11 a.m. In New Mexico, a bill to look out for that addresses internet access is Senate Bill 34, sponsored by State Senator Michael Padilla. This bill proposes to set aside $10 million for a broadband infrastructure fund. This means people who didn't have the internet could now have it. The bill is currently going through committees, so keep an eye out. One other New Mexico bill about communication rights is Senate Bill 314, sponsored by State Senator Daniel Ivy Soto, which would make it a fourth-degree felony for those incarcerated to be in possession of a cell phone. These are really important bills to follow, and they do affect our community, whether negatively or positively. Generation Justice will be following these legislations. Now back to our music host, Pilar Manfaletto. It's Pilar again, here to share a song with you that was written in protest to the FCC decision against net neutrality. It is called Don't Blow Up the Internet by Jonathan Mann. Dear Jessica, Michael, and Tom, dear Adja and Megna, you all seem like reasonable people. Don't set us up this bond. Don't set us up the bond. This wonderful thing, this place that I come every day to dance and play and sing. Right now, I sing on YouTube. That large Google beast with the rules that you're proposing, though, Google would have a feast. They could pay for faster connections, and then I would be stuck. Any upstart video sharing site would be out of luck. Cause the ISPs all suck. For us or them, do what's right for the people you serve. Go out on a limb, dear Jessica, Michael, and Tom, dear Ajit and Vignan. You all seem like reasonable people. Don't set us up this bomb. Don't set us up the bomb. Should be hammering ISPs. They should be broken up. They don't need the extra revenue, no, I think they've had enough. And don't blow up my home. History will judge. Are you gonna kill creativity or help give it a nudge? Cause the internet is amazing in a million different ways. I don't wanna have to tell my son about the good old days. About the good old days. Dear Jessica, Michael, and Tom, dear Adjet and Mignon, you all seem like reasonable people, don't set us up with this bomb. Dear Jessica, Michael, and Tom, dear Adjet and Mignon, you all seem like reasonable people, don't set us up with this bomb. Don't set us up.
The next song talks about expressing yourself on the internet, which would be a right taken away from some people if we don't enforce net neutrality. Don't Flush Our Rights in the Toilet by Bobby Joe Valentine. FCC, don't take away our net neutrality. The internet was made for you and me. We need it for communication. The YouTube and the Facebook nation. For sharing selfies night and day. Hey, 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 don't flush our rats away. Don't make the people pay. Wall Street shouldn't have a say. Ay, ay. It's not gonna be okay. FCC. How expensive is it gonna be to stream our favorite movies and TV? Or get an online education Without any limitation So it's time for us to say Hey, hey, hey Don't flush our rights away Don't make the people pay Wall Street shouldn't have a say Hey, hey don't flush our rights away. New Mexico PBS is the co-producer of the national project called Community Cinema. This project presents film screenings and discussions around the Emmy Award-winning PBS documentary series, Independent Lens. By igniting conversations around issues that affect us all, Community Cinema aims to create real and lasting change. The next screening hopes to do just that. American Denial is a film that explores the ways racism has been embedded into our everyday lives. Here to share more about the project and the film is Laurel Wyckoff with Generation Justice fellow Chantel Trujillo. This is Chantal Trujillo with Generation Justice. My guest has a background in music performance and music education. Since moving from Louisiana to New Mexico to be closer to her family, she has been working in public media. She is currently the Education and Outreach Manager for New Mexico PBS. Laurel Wyckoff, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you, Chantel. It's great to be here on Youth Radio. It's nice to have you. To start off, can you tell me about yourself? Um, as you mentioned, my background is in music and the arts, um, and I've been working in that venue up until I joined public media. So now what I do is connect the public to public television, and it's a great job. We're doing uh, work on really big issues a lot of the times, uh, things like fixing graduation rates, making sure kids are ready for school when they get to kindergarten, and other uh, sort of big issues. But it's great because there's so many other people in the community working on these things that uh, nobody is alone. All we have to do is get together and work together on things. So that's my job. So I have a great job over at PBS. That's wonderful. Thank you. 
So let's talk a little bit about Community Cinema. Um, what is this project? Community Cinema, we've been doing, I guess we're in our third year, maybe fourth year. Um, we show documentaries that are um, part of the Independent Lens series that we broadcast every Saturday night at 10 p.m., and ITVS, the Independent Television Service, is one of the producers of this, and we are co-producers, I guess is how they put it, of community cinema, which happens all over the country in maybe 75 different communities. What happens at community cinema is that we show a documentary about a lot of different topics, and we have a discussion afterwards about how that topic, that particular subject, impacts on our community. So um, coming up, we have American Denial, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, and then in March, we have a documentary called The Home Stretch. Um, that was on March 25th at 7 o'clock at the Chemo Theater. And then our April Community Cinema on April 22nd at 7 o'clock um, is from American experience, and it's about the last days in Vietnam. Um, and then finally, our last community cinema screening on May 20th is called Limited Partnership. So these are all going to be really interesting discussions for sure. Wow, those films sound absolutely incredible. So as the Education and Outreach Manager, how is community cinema part of the mission for New Mexico PBS? One of the cool things about working in media is that you can use media and this extraordinary content, these documentaries, to spark a conversation and to frame a conversation so it doesn't range all over the place and it isn't kind of a lot of people's personal opinions, but uh, it, it's a way for people to come together around a story and to work through something that impacts us all um, if we're a, a, an active part of our community. So this is another way that we can connect the community to media. And also we can promote the broadcast of these documentaries because we usually do the screenings right before the broadcast. Um, and so we can get more people uh, to promote the broadcast through word of mouth saying, I saw this at the chemo. You, ca you have to see this on TV at this night. So it's a way of uh, spreading the word and, and getting more people interested in the topics. So that's and also it's a way of connecting with groups that, you know, through whatever the topic is that we wouldn't ordinarily connect with. Maybe it's not a group of um, people who are watching Downton Abbey, but they may be interested in immigration issues or LGBT issues or other kinds of things that are impacting our community. And they will come out for this and be part of a discussion. Well, that means a lot to me because all of us here at Generation Justice, we really believe in making and supporting media that inspires social change and also inspires people to be talking about these issues, like you said. So thank you. I appreciate that. Great. We're all on the same page. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Um, so the next film in the series is called American Denial. Can you tell me about this film? Sure. American Denial is um, a uh, study that was done by a guy named Gunnar Myrdal in about 1944. And they decided to hire someone from outside the country to look at um, the kind of deep-seated issues that the, at the time they called the Negro problem. And um, he is a Nobel Prize winning researcher. And one of the things that he found was this sort of profound disconnect between what we call our American values, like freedom and democracy and equality, and then the 
simultaneous oppression and discrimination practiced, especially throughout the South. And so what, um, what this documentary focuses on is the implicit bias. So um, I think this is an important conversation always to have, but right now with um, certain kinds of issues that we're dealing with around police violence and um, many of us may have expected that the whole issue about race would let up after Obama was elected, but we're finding that maybe it's a lot of latent racism is coming out because of Obama being elected. So there's some expectations have been kind of dashed and some hopes probably have been kind of dashed around this great forward motion that we had which has not necessarily healed a lot of race issues and may have opened more wounds. Right. Yeah, we do a lot of work around institutional racism. You mentioned police brutality, and you know I think it's really important for us to continue these conversations. So the fact that you have a panel discussing all of this, I think is really important. Um, so when and where is this screening? So this is going to be next Wednesday, uh, the 25th of February at the Chemo Theater at 7 o'clock. Um, we had um, engaged with Diana Dorn-Jones of the Anti-Racism Training Institute of the Southwest to be our moderator. Um, she's been a little bit under the weather lately and may not make it, so I have a backup moderator um, who is Kieran Katira from the Community Engagement Center at UNM. Um, Joseph Escobedo, who is the brand new director of the APS Office of Equity and Engagement, will be on the panel. And also a Generation Justice former fellow and intern, uh, Polly Dinetclaw. And then uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Jamal Martin, who is um, at Peace Studies and Africana Studies at UNM, will also join the panel. Um, it's not all the panelists are not totally confirmed yet, but that's the way it's looking. And uh, we have a lot of interest um, in, in uh, being part of this conversation. So I think it'll be a real interesting screening. Yeah, I feel like racism is so deeply embedded into our everyday lives, into the institutions that we surround our lives with that we don't even realize that it's there. So, yeah, I think these conversations are incredibly important. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Just that I really appreciate everything that Generation Justice does, and I think all you guys rock. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so, again, the screening of American Denial will be held at the Chemo Theater on February 25th at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6.30, and I just want to sincerely thank you for speaking with me today and coming to spend some time with us. Thank you, Laura Wyckoff, for taking the time to speak with us. I really like how you use media to connect to, to the community. What better way than by broadcasting directly into a person's home, a family's home? Yes, thank you, Laurel. I really liked how you said to use media to create and frame a conversation around an issue. And I feel like community cinema is doing just that, and it's a great, great, amazing project. And now to our music host, Pilar Mafaletto. This next song is called The Jailer by Aaron McCune. This song talks about the injustices that people face. It also talks about the sacrifices that people make for others in standing together for equality. Break my back and tie my hands Send me to the jailer For every man that jailer keeps His soul is getting darker Break my back and tie my hands 
We've reached the point in our show where we take some time to celebrate our community. Here are your calendar hosts, Jaquia Fuller and George Luna Pena. It's everyone's favorite time of the show. Dun da da da, the community calendar. I'm your calendar host, Jaquia Fuller. And I'm your other calendar host, George Luna Pena. Jaquia and I will be sharing some fantastic events for you all this evening. So get your calendars out. There's something big happening at UNM this coming week. The Faculty Senate will be voting to make the Chicana and Chicano Studies program into a department. That's right. It's been 45 years in the making, but Chicana and Chicano Studies is close to becoming its own department. The vote is taking place Tuesday, February 24th at 2.30 p.m. on the second floor of Shoals Hall. George, quick question. Do you use the internet? Well, yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, I use it like every day, like every other person. Then how would you feel if you had to pay a monthly bill to access certain websites? Only certain websites? So like a cable bill? I don't think I would like that. Well, be sure to come to hashtag don't block my internet rally. Join the members of the New Mexico Digital Justice Coalition on Tuesday, February 24th at 12 p.m. to tell Comcast hashtag don't block my internet. The FCC wants to do the right thing and vote to reclassify the Internet as a public utility so that it is accessible to everyone. Wait, wait. Comcast? What's their role in this? I'm glad you asked. Companies like Comcast and Verizon are doing everything in their power to stop this from happening so that they can gain more profit and make the Internet even more inaccessible for our community here in New Mexico and in other places. Wow, Jakia. I mean, like, I heard about this, but I didn't realize it was that bad. And you know what? I'm sure other people feel the same way right now. Well, if they want more information, contact NEZA at 505-307-5034 or NEZA at MediaLiteracyProject.org. So for the vote, is there going to be like a viewing party like during political elections and stuff? Actually, I heard about a viewing party that will take place at everyone's favorite time of the day. dun 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 You guessed it. Breakfast. I love breakfast. Especially when there's, like, chili and bacon, you know. Anyways, the, the, the viewing party. Where and when is it? The where is in Quintro, 714 4th Street, Southwest Albuquerque, 87102. And the when is February 26th, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. All right. People are going to get a chance to view this historic FCC net neutrality vote. Exactly. They hold the Internet in their hands. To reserve and to get more information, please contact NEZA at MediaLiteracyProject.org. You know what, Jakia? No, what, George? I recently heard people talking about missing indigenous women across the United States and Canada. Yeah, I believe that there will be a candlelight vigil and poetry reading to remember and symbolize the women that are missing. It really is a great way to raise awareness. Do you happen to know when and where it will take place? Yeah, the event is called Sing Our Rivers Red, and it's happening Thursday, March 5th at 6 p.m. on the UNM campus in the Mesa Vista Courtyard. It's an important event because missing Indigenous women have not had the proper attention or justice. Right. This event will help us recognize that every one of us has a voice to speak out about the injustice against these women. We shall use our voices as strength to sing for our healing in these events. George, you know what this poetry remi- reading reminded me of? It co- reminded me of another event called Women of the World Poetry Slam. Uh, yes, in fact, it's the eighth annual Women of the World Poetry Slam. You know, Jakia, I kind of consider myself a poet, so it's a little too bad I can't uh, compete in this one. But that shouldn't stop you from coming out to support the women poets. 
There will be 72 poets competing to place in the Women of the World Championships. Wait, a champion of the world right here in Albuquerque? Don't lie to me, Chikia. I don't have to lie to kick it. This event will take will be taking place right here in downtown Albuquerque, starting Wednesday, March 18th, and will continue through the 21st of March. Okay, so I just looked it up, and it says that only the only the final 12 will make it uh, into Saturday's events. That sounds like an awesome competition. So for additional information, visit www.womps2015.com. Wow, that sounds like an exciting event. People from all over will be attending. This brings us to our last event, which is the Recreta Aziza Chavez Marcha y Fiesta. Marcha y Fiesta. Good jams, live art, activities for the kids, and wouldn't you know, Jakia, another event with poetry. Don't you just love poetry, George? I just love poetry, Jakia. Exactly. A way for people to express themselves. I love it. Anyways, this will be taking place at the National Hispanic Cultural Center, March 28th, starting at 10.30 a.m. 10.30? That's right after breakfast. Anyways, for more information, contact rcccabq at gmail.com. Well, that's all, folks, for our community calendar. I'm your calendar host, Jakia Fuller. And I'm your other calendar host, George Luna Peña. And now back to our music host, Pilar Manfaletto. The next song that I'll be sharing is called What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. It is a song that exploits the wrong things in the world and how we should make it better. As we wind down the show tonight, we want to thank you all for joining us as we have explored debt neutrality and community cinema. We'd like to thank Laurel Wyckoff of New Mexico PBS and Stephen Renderos of the Center for Media Justice for speaking with us. Shout out to Generation Justice fellows Christina Rodriguez and Chantel Trujillo for conducting these interviews. Thank you to our calendar hosts for tonight's show, Jakia Fuller and George Luna Pena. Also, a huge thanks to Pilar Monfaletto for tonight's amazing music and to Kamriya Umi for engineering. This show was produced with the assistance of George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberto Rael. Much appreciation to all our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm your host, Polly Dineklaw. And I'm your co-host, Derek Toledo. To end our program tonight, we'll leave you with a few closing songs. Up next on KUNM is Spoken Word. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Stay classy, folks. It's been a great show full of meaningful information. The next songs that I will be sharing with you are about justice, the lives of people around us, and wanting to change for the better. 
These songs are called I Want to Get Better by The Bleachers, Sounds Like Hallelujah by The Head and the Heart, Welcome to Paradise by Green Day, but first up, here's Strawberry Fields Forever. It's a cover by La Santa Cecilia. In their version of the song, it talks about immigrant workers that work in strawberry fields. It's a song about a version of the world which is ideal for everyone. Cause I'm going to Strawberry Myself to give up on the past, cause I've frozen time between hearses and cats. 